0: Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future.
1: Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Jim Rao, CEO of One Transfer, a company whose mission is to be the first transfer agent for the digital world, by which he means the world of security tokens. Jim, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you, Dominic. Appreciate it.
1: Now, transfer agencies usually uh, cited as uh, a victim of the widespread use of blockchain technologies because of what they do. They keep registers of securities issued. You can do that on a distributed ledger. They record changes of ownership. That's also built automatically into the digital ledger. And they also distribute dividends. And smart contracts sitting on ledgers can also uh, do that much more conveniently. What persuaded you that uh, you wanted to be in the transfer agency business?
0: Well, it was part of it, It really an extension of some of our other activities. But uh, for me, it was dealing with the transfer agents uh, in the traditional sense um, and all of the the problems of kind of yesteryear's uh, technologies and uh, being frustrated that things weren't uh, moving along at a faster pace um, and using more of a technology solution. Um, You know, the historical and traditional transfer agent business has been one that's been highly manual. It's been paper intensive. Um, and it's, you know, prone to things like errors and obviously, uh, uh, speed, um, and just the cost it's, uh, you know, when you've got a lot of human hands touching something in a, in an error now that, you know, most of this can be programmed and uh, whether or not it's blockchain or whether or not it's just even automated, uh, the transfer agent business historically has been one of, uh, like a number of other businesses out there that just hasn't had the transformation into the, the third or fourth wave of the industrial revolution.
1: So your first ambition is simply to make it more efficient and less and less manual. Now, as I said right. a, a minute ago, uh, you, know, you are describing yourselves as the first transfer agent for the digital world. Uh, I said, I hope accurately that, that that means you want to support security tokens uh, because a, I'm assuming here that a, the transfer agency function is completely irrelevant to, to cryptocurrencies, but for the tokenization world, it clearly has a, a role to play. Now, is that is that going to be the primary focus of what you do?
0: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, just to touch on the cryptocurrencies, that's not required for a transfer agent. Uh, so that's really not necessary there, but our focus is the uh, private securities of the uh, you know transfer world. Um, that's our first priority so anything around that and if it's in the u.s context that would be reg d uh, reg cf reg a those types of things so that's that's our primary focus at the beginning Mm
1: -hmm. the privately managed assets market would that be the area you expect to tokenize most quickly
0: Uh, i'm not going to be the tokenizer but yes i will be the uh, working to make sure that issuers uh, can distribute their um, their digital to- their digital assets, their digital securities, their tokens, whatever uh, name you want to use, to those uh, investors. And then when those investors uh, buy and sell those uh, particular tokens or digital securities, that we have the most efficient way of of exchanging them.
1: And do you do you does is your business going to be relevant to the existing? Securities markets, as opposed to the security token markets, you indicated a, a while ago that you got pretty exasperated with the way the TA business works uh, in the world today, let alone in the world, uh, the tokenized world of of tomorrow. Is your business purely going to focus on the token side, or is there work that you can do usefully uh, with the traditional markets as well?
0: Well. Eventually, it will be for any security, any commodity contract. It could be anything that actually has a smart contract component, to It would be eventually where that target market is. But we have years to go before you're going to backfill into some of the traditional aspects. Uh, there's so much, there's still regulatory hurdles, there's still technology hurdles, there's still a lot of, um, there's still some distance to go, just even in the new products. So if you're issuing a token and in the United States or outside of the uh, United States and you wanna digitize it, tokenize it, there's still a lot of activity to go there and really prove out a lot of models and get the standardization aspects working before you try to retrofit something. Uh, that market is clearly going to go digital, go token at some point, uh, but it's not going to go at the pace most people think. It still takes a long time to have a technology replace the, you know an existing incumbent technology.
1: So The good news is that you can grow with the new token market as it as it takes off. But I'm right to say that your firm in other parts of your business, you have actually tokenized private assets as opposed to what most of us do, which is actually talk about it at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? And what did you learn from that experience about what a TA could do?
0: It is true. And we have worked with a number of issuers that have actually gone from start to finish, actually capital raise, and actually gone to tokenization. And then upon tokenization of the district, you know, the distribution to the to the ultimate investor or shareholder. Um, we've worked on that uh, on a number of occasions. So yes, we have done it in practice and not talked about it in a uh, in a uh, in a bubble. So the the frustrations you have, um, as I mentioned, uh, there's still infrastructure that is, that is that needs to be built out. And if you look at how blockchain digitization, tokenization came about, it was one of the rare times in financial history that you actually had something come from the bottom and not the top. And what do I mean by that is that normally innovation in the financial sector has come from the big boys. Um, and it usually then gets pushed down to the smaller players Um, with tokenization, digitization, blockchain, that actually the groundswell was from smaller players looking to find something better and different. So the infrastructure or the concepts came from the bottom up. So you had some regulatory challenges. You also had a lot of incumbents not necessarily enamored by the concept of digitization because a lot of people know that it makes things more efficient, squeezes out uh, margins, uh, democratizes things. And those are usually ideas, concepts, and, and uh, uh, values that if you're an existing player, you don't necessarily want to have the apple cart upset.
1: Uh, transfer agency can mean slightly different things in a US and a, and a European context. In Europe, we tend to think of transfer agents serving mainly uh, mutual funds. Uh, issuers, and it's, you know, TA means um, keeping a register of who owns which units in a, in a mutual fund, and it settles the transactions, and it shares data back with with asset managers about what's what's going on. It's It's been a relatively low margin um, and low esteem uh, business. Uh, in the United States, it, it means it encompasses the security industry as well. Now, are mutual funds a target market you're interested in going after as well?
0: Absolutely, they are. Uh, I wouldn't say on day one. I would actually say anything that is a registered product or something that has a public nature to it, um, you know, on an exchange or that is somehow had a regulatory component that it requires it from going outside of a private placement is eventually a a target market for us. It is not the target on day one. And depending on the jurisdiction, uh, you mentioned very good example there with mutual funds. Um, in the states, we wouldn't go after that for a little while because that's just going be a, that's going to be a longer road. so really our focus is primarily going to be on the private security basis and then and move from there. In other jurisdictions, you know depending on where we, where we end up working because we, we're really trying to be a cross-border solution, not just a US centric or European centric or EU-centric type of, uh, of a program. We're actually trying to knock down some of those those walls that keep, Um, you know, securities and keeping uh, a lot of these activities from being efficient. So we want to be a proponent to positive aspects. Uh, I personally look at the transfer business as a way of connecting and creating a digital highway, so to speak. So if you have buildings, be it countries or what have you, is trying to create a toll road that is very, very fast, very efficient between those, those, those locations and i think that analogy actually is pretty good cuz i'm indifferent on what rides on the road i just want to make it efficient and fast that it can actually get from point a to point b as as quickly as possible and have that that exchange between counterparties be known be kyc be aml be you know all the types of things to make it more efficient uh, that's really the goal
1: mm-hmm. actually a conversation about the tokenization of transfer agency is now beginning in in Europe. And I assume, from what you've been saying, that uh, tokenization of shares in mutual funds would make that a more attractive market for you once that process is underway.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, w- what we've designed for one transfer is a little bit different in the sense that the, the focus is not on s- just profit alone. Um, we're We're actually a uh, it's a consortium that we have right now, and we're adding uh, additional members all the time. But really, it's to to knock down those walls to, so core businesses can actually transact faster. So we're looking at the the one transfer business as you call it a co-op, you call it a utility, you call it whatever may be the, the right definition for it. But what we're looking at is to have it so it's an unbundled process It's not, you don't have to have all these other services along with it, but it allows you to be able to exchange those digital securities, whatever they may be, uh, as efficiently as possible between, you know, different groups, and eventually between different jurisdictions.
1: Can I ask you about the the sort of core functions? What what is OneTransfer actually going to do for issuers of security tokens? Give us a list of the type of things you expect OneTransfer to be doing.
0: Yeah, so um, much like any tra- transfer agent, we would all obviously be uh, maintaining a cap table. Uh, you have the, the aspect of being able to actually move shares from one place to another. It's almost like a bicycle messenger service, right? You're just going from potentially one custodian to another, et cetera. So that's there. We have some technology ideas to basically manage some of the dividend payment ideas differently and being a different kind of pay, pay agent. And then, depending on the jurisdiction, there can be escrow services and some of the other things that become kind of quasi banking. So, depending on the, you know, the regulatory environment um, and the jurisdiction and the rules, uh, will dictate what we're able to offer in certain in certain locations.
1: Now, we're expecting security tokens to make use of smart contracts to automate the. Uh, the functions of of different types of securities, whether they're bonds or, or equities, and to do that algorithmically with minimal indeed zero human intervention. How exactly is um, one transfer as a as a TA going to interact with those with those smart contracts? Is is your occupation gone uh, as a result uh, of progress or not?
0: No, not necessarily, because you're still going to take it still needs to be effectively wired in. Uh, so whether or not that's on an API function or other, um, I'm not going to. I'm not the technology expert when it comes to the granularity of it. But the the whole concept is very much to to establish that and make it a low cost solution. So if the if the issuer wants to do something in a certain way, the transformation should be able to facilitate that with technology and not have to use uh, manual labor to do it. So. If you have a structured finance product that's maybe more sophisticated than a normal just a dividend uh, payment, uh, we believe that that function should be managed and can be managed with the right smart contract programming, and then you and having that transfer agent be able to take that effective code and put it into the into the payment structure, and in that way, um, if you had something like a a income participation note, or if you had a a commodity contract where you had an underlying yield uh, uh, component that was a flat and then there was a, there was a ratio of payment based on some you know benchmark or index that the transfer agent could take that smart contract, get that coding, and then make those payments on behalf of the issuer without the issuer having to reinvent the wheel each and every time to do all of the manual accounting process to make those payments to the, to the shareholders. So, for example, if you had a commodity contract and you were selling a, an oil deal and you were to do something and you had a, a smart contract that said, we will pay you a, a 4% yield uh, monthly and we will also give you 10% of the increase between Brent and WTI or some whatever structured uh, product or structured concept actually came out of that, we'd be able to take that and uh, make those calculations and payments on behalf of the issuer uh, efficiently using using obviously the combination of smart contracts and a blockchain-based uh, TA.
1: I mean, as you've just described uh, in your description there of a, of a smart contract uh, making use of a presumably some sort of data, Oracle as they're called, these security tokens are going to represent underlying assets that be, might be commodities, might be digital securities, uh, might be assets put into some sort of escrow structure, uh, but those will be underpinning security tokens. Um, that seems to call for some sort of custodial function, which is normally done by by banks. Is that a business you want to be in or not? Um, custody.
0: Yeah, great question. Is it something you want to be in or at some point will you be forced to be in? I also, it, a little bit, Dominic, it also is we're going to see like in any any evolution of a technology it's going to end up bleeding and crossing over so I could see, you could foresee where custodians become transfer agents transfers become custodians or what have you I'm I believe it's going to be tech, technology wise it could all be done by one group uh, it ends up becoming a trust and a regulatory issue and a number of you know there's there's other issues that are going to become, that are going to play a part in that decision-making process so uh would i like to be not necessarily would we do it if it made sense and you had the ability to do it yes
1: now this whole conversation is, has kind of proceeded on the basis and we've used the word technology a lot but we've proceeded on the basis is going to be some sort of blockchain technology that one transfer is going to sit on can you tell us any more about that which particular technology you're planning to use
0: yeah, well, uh, right now we're using a traditional uh, uh, transfer agent software system. It's been known for for years, um, and that is to get in uh, to get in business and get uh, get our processes uh, going and and getting the uh, reputation of being able to execute on that. And actually, we're we're already you know we're only a couple months old and we're already executing on uh, some client activity already. So we're already going down the road in a. Kind of a hybrid situation in the sense that we're doing traditional, but we're we're um, doing some things that are kind of value add right now. But we are in a um, big effort, a major effort, uh, with our consortium partners to identify uh, and have an RFP in process to have that blockchain solution created, and we are deep in that. And hopefully, we have that that kickoff. You know, we've selected our. Our partners and we're we're moving down the uh, down the field within about the next thirty days is our is our plan. So mm-hmm. sometime around September first, we we expect to have a, uh, a we expect to have a partner or partners and to be able to build that infrastructure. And there's a lot of groups out there that have done parts of it. Some have got us. Some have solutions. Uh, we're exploring uh, all activities and all aspects and have taken a kind of a white sheet, you know, fresh. A kind of piece of paper, look at it and say, "This is what we want, and how do we get there?" And that's where we're working. So you have a number of uh, blockchain vendors that have half the answer, eighty percent of the answer, et cetera. So we're just filtering that out right now, and hopefully, we have that solution pretty quick.
1: And do you have a timetable in mind to actually go live with with the blockchain solution after it's built?
0: Uh, I have an idea. Of whether or not the tech uh, the tech team can get there, that's a different story. Um, My personal desire would be something in the first quarter of 2022. I doubt that that's a realistic uh, activity. It's probably second quarter. Um, But uh, it it depends on a number of factors, but uh, it's, it's imminent, but it's not tomorrow.
1: Now, whatever technology you use uh, TA is a famously uh, manual process with lots of reconciliation and data being changing hands in all sorts of, of analog forms so if you're going to revolutionize the the commercial economics of the business you're going to have to come up with some method for enabling data to flow seamlessly and obviously not all of that is under your control you're going to have to deal with with managers and issuers as well so do you need to make a success of this? Do you need some kind of agreement on, on data standards or standard computer protocols, or uh, just uh, use APIs and spatch and them together? How, how's that, how are those data flows gonna work?
0: Uh, good question. It is, I think the, the start becomes standardization as in just about everything, whether or not you, you know, I, I was early on in some of the ISDF thing, you know, some of these standardization contracts and. I'm a big fan of, of standardization myself and personally. I think that's where we need to go go first. Um, and this is also a reason why when we had, when we started the consortium, we didn't have uh, anybody or anything claiming that they could do the technology, um, which it was important for us at the consortium because we wanted to have that freedom of thought to basically pick and choose uh, the right solution and not be burdened by a shareholder or some kind of influence. So, for, for just to go back to the the, the standardization question, that is critical. Um, and then our 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 hope and goal is that this is really you know a, an API or it's really connected to anyone that is uh, in the issuer, has, you know, um, space. And our goal is to have an unbundled, very clean. We're going to start off with a very clean service right at the beginning. That is the transfer agent business cap table. And then we can add bells and whistles from that but we want to run and get really good at one thing and then we can add some of these other functions and features Uh, with that though the standardization is kind of a cross section of both you know cap table uh, some of the payment structures these types of things so we're trying to answer the simplicity uh, the simple piece first and then obviously with with the optionality to add more advanced technologies on top of it without having to retrofit
1: Right. We, we talked a minute ago about uh, about smart contracts. And in a sense, we have a, a standard in the smart contract area because 90% of these uh, smart contracts are, are, are sitting on the Ethereum blockchain and they're written to the ERC-20 standard. Is that going to be helpful to you?
0: Um, well, at any point you have a standardization, at least now you have a benchmark to compare and contrast. Uh, a lot of tech people or at least a lot of blockchain purists, would argue that ERC 20 is far from a perfect scenario. Um, I would say that I don't really have a, a you know, a dog in that fight, so to speak. But uh, for me, it goes back to the, the analogy I used as far as having the, the, the toll road. Um, ERC 20 is like having an, a particular model car, you know, on it, it's a it's a truck or whatever you might have. Is hauling that particular security from one location to another. I want to be and I want, want transfer to be agnostic to whether or not it's ERC20 or 10 other type of technologies. It should be built to where it should be able to handle any of that smart contract or any of the smart contracts that are out there and be agnostic to whatever that technology is, much like I'm describing in a toll booth, right? You pay your toll and you move, you move down the road. Uh, so for me, that's where we need to be. I don't want to tell anybody or have a restriction that you have to be ERC20 or you have to be X, Y, or Z. I think that defeats the purpose of digitization. Uh, it beats the. It, it 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 flies in the face of the democratization of of where we're at, and it just goes backwards in time. and And that's what we've seen with some of these technologies that some of the fintech companies have come out today. You know, they. They come out and they've actually, they're building walls instead of knocking them down. I kind of want to be, you know, Ronald Reagan here, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, Gorbachev you know, tear down this wall is really where we should be, not building walls.
1: We should be tearing them down. Talking of tearing walls down, you mentioned you're, you're working with with clients already. I assume that's issuers uh, rather than investors. And do correct me if I'm wrong. But in the securities industry, it is highly intermediated right now. And in, in the mutual fund industry, it's arguably even more intermediated. You have distributors, for example, and distributors work with with platforms. You have IFAs, you have all sorts of people. Who do you need to sell your service to primarily? Obviously issuers, but do you need to work with investors and intermediaries as well? Or is there just one particular group that would govern success or failure for you?
0: Uh, it will be heavily issuer driven at the beginning, then it will be investor driven secondarily. And then you'll have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, screaming and hollering of the intermediaries in between. Uh, Because, you know, clearly, blockchain efficiency digitization eliminates some of those functions. Um, You know, in some cases in blockchain, you can go from what was 20 steps down to two. And that takes out a lot of a lot of hands, a lot of mouths so you will see some you know some incumbents screaming and hollering along the way but like any any business uh if you don't change you become a dinosaur and you die so i think you're going to see a lot of morphing a lot of people are going to take on there's going to be some new business models created new services generated they, it always happens it's very similar to you know when when the, you know, the, Mechanized uh, farming equipment, uh, you know, replaced the plow horse, right? So people just did different things. So I think you're going to have that. Some of these businesses will will go away because they've just become redundant. Um, but I think it's issuer, investor, and then the intermediaries and the intermediaries. But one thing I would say is that I think the process is going to take longer than people believe it is. It always does. Um, it takes a long time to replace a a technology and you just look through history you know the recording i mean I look how long it took uh, the dvd to replace the cassette i mean it just takes it just takes a long time before a technology uh, usurps another and i believe in this particular space because there's you're talking about some of these organizations and groups and regulators end up becoming as much of a problem, teaming up with some of the incumbents that don't want to see change. It could drag out longer than really it should, but that's a different argument.
1: Yeah. Well, I can see the future vision issues and in investors in effect interacting directly through a, through a technology infrastructure. Now, in order for that vision to be realized, you need lots of issuers and you need lots of uh, investors to be on the network. And as you say, the the intermediaries who presently intermediate those relationships will have to change. How important are network effects going to be? In other words, getting lots of issuers and lots of investors onto the network. And how hard is it going to be to do that?
0: Well, um, it's amazing. You know, issuers are trying to do what issuers want to do. And that is, if you're a oil and gas company, you're a a renewable power provider, you're a media company, whatever particular industry you're in, you want to be good at that. You don't necessarily want to be focused on transferring your ownership or your share. So they want to outsource those functions for the most part. So they're driven by anything. They want to be able to have the lowest cost solution they possibly can. Have it as efficient. They don't want to have it a problem. They want to be compliant. They, you know, they want all of those things, and that's what's going to drive a lot of this. So it's it's going to be issuer driven, and a lot of times that's just simple cost. And if you can't be cost competitive, then why are you doing it? Uh, so I I think it's going to be driven from the issuer about creating that 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 space. I think there was a little bit of a misstep in a lot of the tokenization and digitization aspects where everybody thought the, the investor was going to drive a lot of this activity. I think there is some of that, but I believe in the TA space and the technology transformation in this particular uh, piece of the market is going to be issuer driven because they're incentivized to have a clean cap table. They want to be able to communicate with their investor groups, their, their shareholders, their, or their stakeholders, whoever it happens to be. Um, they're, you know, whoever, their bond buyers, they whatever it happens to be, they want to be able to interact with them efficiently. And if they can't do that, they'll find a cheaper, better solution, more techn- technically uh, uh, proficient to make that happen. So that's my belief.
1: And listening to you explain the vision now at a high level, I can see why this is attractive to, to issuers. I can see why in the longer run it's going to be attractive to to investors, but I've been dying to ask you you this question. What on earth made you, what was it in the, in the, in the mix of businesses that you're involved with now, the other things that you've done uh, and what you're doing at Entoro in particular, what on earth made you want to get into the transfer agency business? Uh,
0: it, you know, When you look around and you look at the whole uh, value chain and you say, where, where are the, the pieces that can actually cause you heartache um, and to be able to provide optionality to an issuer, and that was where I've always been. Is like, how do we do that efficiently? So we have a. Uh, Entoro has a an investment bank. We are a broker dealer in the United States. We have a SEC RIA. We we have our own valuation. Company, you know, so we're we're pretty integrated across a lot of activities. And one of the things for us was, we don't have a TA position so a couple of years ago we actually applied and in, in, in the US it's not a particularly onerous activity to get approved by the SEC to be a transfer agent. it's onerous to have it you know once you're up and running and you have to have a lot of rules but we were already regulated by the SEC and FINRA by the broker-dealer and by the RIA so having one more component wasn't that much of a lift for us so and it filled in a service oper- a service aspect because for me, I want to be able to go to an issuer and give them op- optionality. Or if they come to me and they say, "Jim, we would like to do, we would like to ha- hire you to do everything from A to Z through the entire, higher, uh, the entire process of uh, you know raising capital, issuing you know through the whole uh, financial process." And I'm like, "Great! If I'm going to do that, I need to have that extra component." So we had filed for it and we were we had it all ready to go, but I also want to have that opportunity that if you have an issue, they want to do something a la carte. So I want to be able to play both fully integrated and a la carte. Both strategies require that you need a TA business exposure capability or be able to provide that service. So one day a colleague and, and I are sitting around going, you know, to just start a TA business, do you have enough business to, you know, what do you what do you need to be successful at this? And we're both like, this is really a business that should be a, a utility, a consortium, a, a, a co-op. Back to my uh, opening line, and it made a lot of sense to to do that. So we actually had filed for for one and on, under our own name. And then what we did was we went out to some like-minded individuals that some ATS operators, a, a, a protocol group, a, some other the digital transformation fintech groups, and we. We started a dialogue and we said, okay, we need like-minded people with the same vision. And that wasn't hard to find. What was hard to do is get get all those people in one room to agree on it. And that that was the that was the biggest challenge, but that's where we ended up. So we all wanted to have exposure to a TA. We didn't necessarily want to be the the full-time operator of it because we all looked at it as the TA business is a transformative business that is eventually, as we've already talked about, may become so automated that it really doesn't have the it's not a it's not a standalone business on itself potentially in 10 years Uh, we look at it as an integrated uh, service solution to all of us so if you look at it each one of us having a building we just wanted to build a better digital highway a digital toll road between us all to get those things uh, get those securities and uh, moving faster so that was where we were at it was really a service aspect for us to be able to provide a, a turnkey solution to an issuer.
1: Now, Jim, one, one last question for you. You've seen the future, you've seen what needs to be done, you've seen what there is to be gained. Put yourself in the in the shoes of one of those incumbent intermediaries we, we talked about uh, a minute ago. You, you described very clearly you thought they had to change. What advice would you give to those um, Let's call them conventional transfer agents in in business today. What what sort of future do they have? What should they be doing?
0: Well, I think it's one of one of two strategies. Either you bury your head and you try to ride it out and do nothing and you just wait for your business to go away, but you you bleed it to death. I mean, that's a legitimate strategy. Or you you change um, and you 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 modernize your own system to either be a blockchain solution or a digital solution. Uh, because uh, there's lots of fintech companies coming up to to change your business model, not only probably on the TA business, but in a number of areas. Um, and it's kind of either uh, upgrade or, or perish. And, uh, you know, I think many of them will. I think some of them, like in any industry, you'll see that some go away because they just don't have the management teams that have the vision to do something different, or they refuse to do it, uh, what have you. That's that is, that always ends up being an option. Then you also get the groups that basically say, "We're not very good at it, but we're going to buy somebody." Okay, so you know, some of, we could get our particular project up, and somebody comes in and says, "You know, that's a good strategy. Maybe we just take that. We we tra- we we rally around that strategy as a transformative business model, and then they migrate it in. Airlines have done it. The energy industry's done. It. I mean, there, there's a lot of you know." Uh, examples out there of other industries that have taken on that same strategy i i believe like in every business uh out there there are too many players uh overall um i think there's too many players in the in the energy space and me i mean there's there's you you're, there's way too many fragmented players um in that i can tell you even in the u.s broker dealer market there's three thousand plus broker dealers you know there's going to be a consolidation of that every single industry is going to have consolidation. Those management teams that have, that are in the incumbent position are going to be faced with these same questions that any industry has is that do we step out of our comfort zone and we explore other options to make sure that we're still relevant Uh, because if they keep their same pricing model, uh, you know, with, with technology, you can come in and you can, you will eventually commoditize most of this and if you're chasing a commoditization the only other alternative you have is some kind of unique service on top of it otherwise um you know you, you won't be in business long
1: upgrade or perish it's a sobering message for the tas of the world uh, jim rao thank you very much
0: you're, you're welcome thank you dominic